0: Stick a pony in me bucket I'll fetch the suitcase from the van Cause if you are the best but you don't ask questions Oh, shut
1: up, you tart! Au revoir, and welcome back to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with the two plonkers, Roll and JT. Au
0: revoir indeed, everyone, and Happy New Year. A little bit late, but five days in, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's 2022, we are back. Um, Had a little break, hope everyone had a nice festive time, and now it's crack on with real life again, I guess.
1: Yeah, and what better way to really kick off the, uh, the new year, as it were, than returning to Only Fools and Horses? And uh, obviously, tuning in regularly, weekly, to hear us to waffle on about various episodes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah, waffle probably is a good word there, bread roll. So, we're starting Series 3 today. Um, this is the first episode, funnily enough, because that's where you normally start. And this one is called Homesick, and it aired on the 10th of November, 1983. It's about 30 minutes 13 on DVD, apparently, in twenty-nine twenty-four for those poor iTunes people. And this one had 9.4 million viewers, so kept up its sort of average from series two. So it looks like it was kicking on a bit now, bread roll.
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems to be um, picking up some traction. There's a couple of things in this episode um, particular. Like I say, I think it kind of started to find its flow, but one thing, um, as we'll probably mention towards the start, is Trigger's in this episode, but he's like properly the Trigger character now, isn't he? He's like the one you kind of know and love and everyone remembers, so he feels more like he's kind of, on point with his character this time around
0: yeah yeah i agree he was a bit up and down wasn't he in series two one minute he was dopey trig then he was sinister trig <laughs> was a bit weird but yeah he's definitely <laughs> he's found his sort of niche now hasn't he i think um thinking about this earlier before we started recording series three is quite an important series really obviously it's granddad's last um spoiler alert if you didn't know that but i'm sure you did and also um we meet sort of a couple of characters. We won't give too much away in case you don't know. They become obviously quite pivotal in the sort of rest of Only Fools and Horses, really, don't we?
1: Yeah, we do. We meet some of the like the wider um, sort of the side characters, and I suppose a few events happen because it's around this sort of time. It doesn't really kick off until later on, really. But this is where things start to um, kind of be used for reference, don't they? Like they reference back to come and eat some of these episodes, and it all starts to kind of flow together a bit more whereas some of the ones in series one and two were kind of almost standalone episodes weren't they?
0: Yeah I think this is really where it started to find its flow and I think because series one and two although they were fairly well received viewer wise they weren't particularly well received I don't think with the critics and obviously it had its points where it was never going to continue and I think they may have got the sort of go ahead that this is going to be more of an ongoing thing so it not I wouldn't say more effort goes into it from now on, but it just does seem to flow a bit better from this series onwards, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there are some good episodes we'll get to in this um, series in particular. Um, But um, I forgot this is the one that actually kicks this series off, and it's actually not a bad one to kick it off, to be honest.
0: No, it's quite solid. Um, I'll crack on with the synopsis if you want, bread Roll. Um, With this one, I don't know if if people listen to our movie ones, where we kind of break it down into more bite-sized chunks. I've done it for this one because although it's the standard length episode, the synopsis was fucking huge. So I thought I'll break it down into sort of three more bite-sized chunks and we'll talk about each sort of section as we go. If that's okay, bread roll?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's go for it.
0: Okie dokie. Again, pulled from Wikipedia and I haven't edited any of this. So apologies. I have skimmed through it and it looks fairly good. Okay. As Dale Boy prepares himself to go out with a waitress from a pizzeria, Rodney tells him that Grandad's legs are still hurting, so he has to stay in bed. Rodney plans to go to the local council tenants association meeting to report things that are needed, sorting, such as Nelson Mandela's house, His lifts, bloody hell, I can't speak. Rodney arrives at the meeting to find that the only other person attending is Trigger. While waiting for the meeting to start, Rodney finally asks Trigger why he keeps calling him Dave. Trigger explains that he thought it was his name, but Rodney assures him that it isn't, Nor has it ever been Dave. Trigger states he'll have to start calling Rodney, only to start using Dave again straight away. Baz, the chairman, finally turns up and mentions that the vice chairman died a fortnight ago and that he wanted to elect a new vice chairman, and Trigger votes Rodney to fill the new position. The meeting starts, and Baz then resigns and promotes Rodney to chairman in an instant. Rodney is shocked, and Baz and Trigger leave to get a drink, Set up on the stage, Rodney begins to realise the power he has with this position. So that's kind of how the episode opens. And one thing I did notice, Rodney wears his and mantis suit the whole way through this episode. don't know if you noticed that.
1: I did notice that as well. And um, uh, one thing there, actually, before I just make another point about the uh, the fashion, as usual, um, that synopsis there said that Baz finally turns up. But he was there from the start because so he's sort of smoking away and Rodney's the only one sat there. Um, yeah. And then Trig turns up. So Baz is actually already there. He doesn't suddenly turn up. They're not waiting on him as such. There's obviously a bit of an error there from Wiki.
0: Absolutely right, Brad Rowan. To be fair, when I was reading that, I was concentrating so much. I didn't notice. But yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> um, Baz is smoking away and coughing. And Rodney points at the no smoking sign. And Baz sort of nods and then turns the sign over and carries on smoking, which I think is quite a nice touch.
1: Yeah, especially about he's like bloody choking his guts out. <laughs> hanging out of his mouth as well. It's just like, oh, there we go. But um, yeah, talking about the fashion, like you're right, um, Roddy does wear the praying mantis suit all the way through it. But Dell at the start, he's going on a date, like you say, for that um, career. But for Dell, he's actually not dressed, he's actually quite casual for going on a date, isn't he? I don't know what time of day it's supposed to be, like the morning, but he's just dressed in his regular gear. Normally he puts on the suit and, you know, splashes the brute on his face and all that sort of stuff. But he's just got like a little blue kind of like jacket on and his normal shirt
0: here. Actually, got the very same thing here, Brad Rolls. Well, the next thing I was going to mention, yeah, Dale's not dressed up for his date at all. When I thought that, I was like, he's going out on a date, and he looks like he's just going down the market, doesn't he? Maybe he doesn't think much of this one. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe just ask, you know, hoping he's going to get like a short crust or something out of it, and um, <laughs> some of snack on for the day. But because Dale normally like goes, as we know, completely over the top of anything, especially dates.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, I do like when um, Rodney's going through his catalogue of crime. The only thing he can come up with is granddad's shopping trolley being stolen from the pram shed.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Dale comes out with that um, story about Rita Aldridge, doesn't he? Which I thought is quite funny. Um, Because he's like, yeah, I want you to tell about you. Because Rodney's like, oh, I don't just want rumours. I need dates and times. And he's like, oh, why don't you tell him about Rita Aldridge? Um, Friday afternoon, she was indecently assaulted. And then she um, reported it this morning being Wednesday. Rodney's like, hang on, if she was assaulted Friday, um, how come she waited till Wednesday to report it? And he's like, well, she didn't know, um, <laughs> she didn't know she'd been indecently insulted, uh, assaulted until the bloke's check bounced. Yeah, it's quite it's quite <laughs> dodgy as well, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I know there's a lot of that, probably ruffles and feathers these days. What the whole, you know, like me too thing, and, that, and that's absolutely understandable, but I just thought the way the joke comes across is fucking hilarious,
0: yeah, and um, the whole. Rodney, Dave thing with Trigg. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Why do you call me Dave? Well, I thought that was your name. No, my name's Rodney. And he says about looking at his passport and his birth certificate. So what's Dave then? A nickname. It's just fucking brilliant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Rodney does that really high picture. He goes like,
0: no, you're <laughs> the only
1: one who calls me
0: Dave. <laughs> Everyone else calls me Rodney. And the reason they call me Rodney is because that is my name. And then Trigg, though, he goes, oh, I'll have to start calling you Rodney from now on. And then he does actually call him Rodney, doesn't he? When um, Baz asks for a nomination, he turns around and says, I nominate Rodney. He does actually call him Rodney. But then in the next minute, he calls him Dave again. So I don't know if that was deliberate or not, that he called him Rodney that one time, whether it was not a slip-up as such. But it just seems a bit weird that he does actually call him Rodney just once.
1: Yeah, no, I've got that in my notes as well. I think that's got to be the only time that Trigg calls Rodney Rodney. Obviously, like in proper <laughs> like, style, basically. Um, yeah, I caught that. And another bit here as well is when, like, um, they obviously leave Rodney in charge, and um, Baz is like, oh, well, let's go down the pub. And Rodney's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, oh, you've got to close the meeting. No one's here. And then Rodney's like, oh, well, meeting close. It's sort of like taps of death. <laughs> like, like Baz in the back and go, we oh, did that well, didn't he, Trick? Come on, let's go down the pub. It's just like really yeah. sort of sarcastic, but it's quite comedic at the same time.
0: Yeah. And then Rodney's obviously looking around thinking, yeah, I'm, I've got a bit of power here, even though there's no one else in the room.
1: And he leans back and falls off the chair. One thing I was thinking, um, I wonder how many people like they were expected to attend because they're in like a, a hall, aren't they? Like a community hall. They've got like 50 or 60 chairs out. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, how many people are on this side like, Tenants Association? I suppose if you live in areas like that back in those days and the tenancy thing must have been quite a big, obviously, turnout usually. But there's just like so many chairs and it's like, what, is Rodney going to have to put them away now because they've all buggered off?
0: Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Uh, I wonder if that's the same hall they use for... Um, it's only rock and roll as well, where they're rehearsing. It looks similar, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it must be, because I think they were still filming in and around Peckham at this point, weren't they? Because they moved yeah, up yeah. to Bristol later on um, when the show was getting really big. They had to move the um, shooting location, didn't they?
0: Yeah, they did. Um, I think that was a bit later on, possibly series four or five times. Certainly by the time series six was, was on the go, and it was really big Um, because the Batman and Robin special, which obviously is way down the line in our reviews, that was filmed in Bristol. And they had to hide the fact they were dressed up like that from the paparazzi and stuff. But we'll get to that episode when we get to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, later on in the year or next year. We'll see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how we go. Okay, so later that day at the market, Del is flogging fresh Spanish oranges as Rodney shows up. Del berates him for being four hours late, but Rodney explains that he was talking to Margaret McKenzie who is in charge of housing and welfare down at the town hall. Grandad walks by after shopping at Sainsbury's, don't know if that's true or not, or why that's relevant, and tells his grandsons that he was buying some more food for this evening's dinner, including haddock pie. Rodney offers to give him a lift back in the Trotter van, but Grandad declines, saying he'll walk off the pain in his legs. Grandad heads off home as the Trotter brothers resume their business. That evening, Del and Rodney return to the flat, still talking about Mrs Mackenzie, until they find Grandad collapsed on the floor. Dale prepares a glass of brandy, as Rodney prepares to give Grandad the kiss of life, only for Grandad to wake up and explain to his grandsons that when he was trying to get up and change the channel on the TV to crossroads, his legs gave out. Dale puts Grandad to bed, while Rodney gets on the telephone and calls Dr. Becker. Later, Dr. Becker tells Dale and Rodney that Grandad is okay, but was exhausted from climbing 12 flights of stairs. The only solution to this problem is for the Trotters to move into a bungalow in Harrington Road with approval from the chairman of the council, Tenants Association. Rodney admits that he is the chairman, much to Dale's delight. Rodney is initially reluctant to exercise his influence in fear of appearing to exploit his position so soon for self-interest. That night, Dale is sitting by Grandad's bedside as Rodney enters with a bag of oranges. Rodney doesn't feel comfortable phoning Miss Mackenzie for a new bungalow, but Dale was more concerned with Grandad's health. Just then, Grandad wakes up and praises Rodney for looking after him. Shortly after, Grandad asks Rodney to put his hand under his pillow because underneath it is a silver cigarette case which is carried by Grandad's grandfather during the Borough War. Grandad also explains to Rodney why there's a huge dent on the cigarette case. Grandad's grandfather was on sentry duty in the middle of Africa one night when a sniper attacked him, but since Grandad's grandfather was wearing a cigarette case in his breast pocket, the bullet ricocheted up his nose and killed him. Grandad also mentions to Dale and Rodney that the place Grandad's grandfather died was fighting the Zulus at the Battle of Rourke's Drift. Now completely choked up about Grandad's health, Rodney goes and phones Miss Mackenzie for the bungalow, making Dale happy. So a fair bit happens in that whole bit there, and you can see why I said this synopsis was bloody long, bread rock.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's actually more detailed than most of the episodes, the um, what we sort of like borrow from Wiki. But it's uh, fairly accurate there. I mean, the bit, I always like seeing the bits in the market because I always think it brings back, you know, just the classic kind of Dell and Rodney back and forth. But the main crux of it is Grandad collapsing, isn't it? Um, when they get back to the flat. But looking at that bit in the market first, um, it's just classical Dell banter, isn't it? Like he's in such a bad mood, but he's still like putting it on for the punters. And when he gives that woman those oranges and he's like, yeah, I love Einz, Vines, duh. So yeah. it's like that.
0: that was <laughs> one for luck. chucks yeah. it in the bag and I like it when that woman are they fresh fresh they are playing the Castanets this morning it's <laughs> just yeah. fucking typical band I mean for Dell that's good as well isn't he? he's actually got it right for once
1: yeah which is more than he gets later on when he's talking to Miss McKenzie <laughs> we'll get
0: to that bit <laughs> yeah he's all over the shop isn't he and just while we're still on the market obviously Dell lobs that orange and it smashes the plates and then the two um, Indian market guys are sort of looking I mean, they must have realised where that orange came from. There's Dale stood next to him, virtually selling fucking oranges.
1: Yeah, he's the only guy there because the woman comes over after Granddad comes over, and he's waddling away. The woman's like, "Has he got pineapples?" Roddy's like, "No, I think it's just rheumatism." Then yeah. obviously Dale <laughs> just turned around. He goes, "Look, I've got some nice pineapple-tasting oranges. They're three for twenty-five p, but for you, I do six for ninety p." So fucking hell.
0: Yeah, yeah, Dale. Uh, his market banner's brilliant, though, isn't it? He plays it really well, David Jason. But granddad's got a couple of classic lines. He's got, I mean, we say he's normally got one in each episode. He's got a couple in this one, isn't he? I mean, the bit in the market where um, he comes up and he says, uh, I think Rodney asked him what's for tea, doesn't he? And he turns around, Do you like addict pie, Del? Del's like, No, I don't. You got addict pie, Rodney. I love the yeah. way he does that. It's fucking brilliant. It's so dry, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And that Rodney's this old cosmic. But, um, yeah, he does have a couple of good ones in this. Um, the, the story, the way he tells about, obviously, the um the cigarette case, isn't it? And then the bullet goes up the guy's nose and blows his brains out. It's amazing. But then there's one when they find him collapsed. Um, they eventually, obviously, rouse him because Rodney's like, get the brandy. And Dale runs over and he's like, oh, no, he hasn't been at this. And he's like, no, no, pour him one. I'll give him a kiss of life. And then Grandad's <laughs> like, oh, I hate that ill. And suddenly he just fucking sits up and he's all right. And then it's like, what happened, Grandad? He's like, I don't know. I just got over to change the channel to Crossroads. And then what happened? I don't know. I didn't see the end of it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I've got that here as his other classic line in this episode. Um, One thing I've always thought about, though, I mean, obviously this is going back to the 80s, but brandy is obviously, I'm going to use this term loosely, sort of a medicinal alcohol, I suppose. But would it really help you if you just fainted to fucking shove some brandy down your neck? I guess it would wake you up
1: yeah I guess so I mean I know not uh, you watch all the like classic um or when you do watch like the classic or the period pieces whenever someone's had a shock or they're like shaking everyone you' got all glass of brandy or anything to try and calm your nerves and stuff. so I assume they're trying to go for that sort of thing but yeah, if someone's fainted, you're not actually supposed to even offer them water to sip really. Um, no. I think you're supposed to just kind of leave them for one until they sort of like calm down so'm not sure what, yeah, like the brandy's gonna do.
0: Yeah, I've always just wondered about that, but it's quite good when he just picks up and goes, no, you ain't been at that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) Obviously, we we actually see Dr. Becker in this one. He gets mentioned again at least once more. I think it's even in this series, Um, but we actually do see him in this one. And I do like it when Rodney calls him and says, I'm Mr. Trotter, I'm one of the Trotter brothers. And he's like, has what cleared up? No, I ain't ever had anything like that. Just wonder what that was. Obviously, it's probably something Dell's had, maybe, or I don't know, but the doctor wouldn't be discussing things like that over the phone anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think as well, this is, because um, obviously when they put Grandad in the bedroom and they're sort of in there, and you've got fucking boxes of oranges all around him in his bedroom, and then Rodney comes in with more of them. But, um, <laughs> I think that's the first time we've seen a shot of any of the bedrooms, isn't it? Like, Grandad's room is the first time we've seen a shot outside of the living room so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. They're I never thought about that before. Granddad's in bed, and he's still got his hat on as well, hasn't he? Yeah,
1: still got his hat on, and well, he always wears his pajamas anyway. But he's still got that fucking manky scarf as well. That must just be fucking horrible.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's a couple of bits here that um, obviously Granddad's in bed, and he gives uh, Dale the sort of sob story as well that he's never had a garden before, but he's got an allotment, hasn't he? Because in Mother Nature's son, um, they ha- well, inherit his allotment, don't they? When Dale buys the flat.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't clock that one, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There is um, something about the plot of this um, that I don't think quite lined up. But I'll mention it more when we get to the end of it. Obviously, we've obviously got to the the twist, as it were. But yeah, there's something that runs through this like several times, and it doesn't quite link up for how the plot develops. I don't know if you picked up anything like that, but um, as I say, we'll discuss it when we get to the obviously third and final part.
0: Okay, the only other thing I did sort of think about, and I sort of saw this as well on um, an Only Fools page the other day, Um, Grandad says he wants to be cremated, but obviously he passes away at the start of Series 4 and he actually gets buried. Um, I don't know if that was even thought about when when obviously they had his funeral, but obviously he doesn't get cremated in the end. That's the only other thing I sort of, I wouldn't say I picked on that, that myself. I did read that somewhere. No, I don't know. I'll, um, I'm intrigued to see what you're going to say now, Bread Roll. Um, I'll do the last bit now, and then uh, we'll see. Okay. So the next night, Dell returns home from the market to be introduced by to Miss Mackenzie by Rodney. Dell and Miss Mackenzie talk about Grandad's health, dancing, and Najinsky. Although Dell doesn't know that Najinsky has been dead since 1950. Soon after, Miss Mackenzie shows Dell the document for the Trotters uh, to move to the new bungalow has been signed by her officially. The Trotters can move into their bungalow in one week's time. As Miss Mackenzie exits, politely refusing to go out with Dell for a drink, the Trotter brothers tra- hell, chat about what it was that made her give them the bungalow. Grandad suddenly comes out of his bedroom, back on his feet, asking if they got the bungalow. Dell says yes, shows him the document, and they dance. Rodney is shocked to learn that Dell and Grandad had planned it all along to move into a lovely bungalow in Harrington Road, with a nice garden, a garage, and no stairs. As Rodney moves in to hurt him, Dell hears the doorbell, escapes to the hall, and answers the door. Where Miss Mackenzie has come back and decided to have that drink with Dell after all. Dell tells his family that he's off out, and as he prepares to kiss Miss Mackenzie, Granddad and Rodney both enter the hall, and the jig is up. Miss Mackenzie cancels the deal, and Rodney shamefully resigns as chairman. As Miss Mackenzie leaves, Dell asks her, "Are we still on for that drink, Margaret?" And that's pretty much how the episode ends. So the last bit was a bit shorter, but it kind of ties up the last sort of scene in in the episode, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. I love the way like, Del was coming into the flat, and he's like, "Come on, Rodney, hurry up!" You know that old biddy from the council of beer in a minute. And sort of Rodney steps out of the um, granddad's bedroom. He's like, "Miss Mackenzie's already here," and she turns out, obviously, not to be an old biddy in the end, but someone that Del takes a bit of a shine to.
0: Yeah, and her first impression of him is Del waving around a porno mag, isn't it? She's so picked yeah. it up off the sofa, I'm assuming. Rodney's left today, although Del's not exactly averse to having porno mags on him as well. And he's sort of waving it about, going can't we need to tidy up? She walks out as he's waving it about.
1: Yeah, the old porn mags do appear in this show, especially some of the earlier ones. There's a um, particular gag in one of the episodes coming up with the old um, the adult magazines again. Um, so maybe it's just like a running joke with the crew because um, John Sullivan used to slip that in quite a lot, didn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I, I like the way um, Del offers Margaret a drink and he's like, tea, coffee, pina colada, just casually, and then he makes himself some fucking god knows what with umbrellas and that sticking out of it.
1: Oh god, his cocktails are fucking insane, aren't they? They should release, maybe they have someone on the line, but release the actual Del Boy cocktail. Oh would probably kill everyone if they tried it. Like it was, um, was it Cherry Aiden Bailey's that he had the other day or something like that? Oh god, to yeah,
0: it. and well, I got into Hullen back, I can't what he drinks now. Something can Lucas LucasAid in it? but actually, Rodney gives him that. Um, but obviously, we'll get to that episode in time. I do like it. Also, we we talked about it last week in um, uh, the Heather episode. Margaret is also one of Dell's most favourite names when she tells him her name. Just fucking typical Del boy. In every every name's his favourite.
1: Absolutely. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned about the the plot here, I don't know if it is supposed to be like a coincidence or not. But right at the start of the episode, like as the the show's opening. Um, like Dale mentions and Rodney mentioned that obviously Grandad's legs are hurting and then when Rodney um Trigger comes into the town meeting uh, council thing and he's like oh I spoke to Dale he said that Granddad's not well and Rodney's like oh yeah yeah he's doing all right and then they put this whole elaborate plan together but they make it out like that was the plan all along but Dale and Grandad wouldn't have known that Rodney was going to become the chairman until obviously he'd had that meeting and they were already talking about it. So was his legs hurting and then Dell obviously decided to run with it or was it all just an elaborate ruse to start with?
0: Mm, that's a good point. I reckon, because Dell's is quite conniving, isn't he? sort He's not horrible, but he'll try and make the best out of a bad situation. So I reckon Grandad probably was genuinely ill or his legs were genuinely hurting and Dell thought, I can blag this because that's Dale, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it yeah, probably is that. I just thought it was a bit strange that they seem to like, I don't know, everything yeah. just seemed to sort of fall into place with this particular plot, but it's like, if Grandad really was ill, um, would Del have actually said, all right, we you pretend to fall down? I know, obviously, he comes up with those bonehead plans. That's the whole point of um, him. And obviously, he broke, he Obviously turns out that Delbo is responsible for breaking the elevators. I love that line because Rodney yeah. sort of sat there, he's like, Well, your legs happen uh, and then you are getting old. And we can't blame Dell for the elevators breaking down and Dell's just behind him like i shaking his head like Don't- <laughs> 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 but, Yeah. Yeah, just just um, just um I was thinking that it's like, uh they've gone into but like, they put the, the idea of this plot in too quickly, um, for what how it kind of turns out.
0: Yeah, that's a really good shout. I never really thought of that before, but It's Dale, isn't it? Who knows what's going on in that head of his? (laughs) Obviously, you touched on it as well earlier how he gets things wrong. When Margaret says she wants to be a choreographer and Dale says he always wants to get into the medical profession, it's his (laughs) first one he gets wrong. (laughs) Oh, bloody
1: hell. Good old Dale. I mean, I wonder if stuff like that is actually, it must have been written in, but um, like I think you said a couple of episodes ago, like they are getting better, like the banter and the flow of the comedy is much tighter now so i wonder if this is where it got to the point where david jason knew the character so well he would start throwing stuff like that into the script or if it's all written down so he does it so naturally it doesn't feel like he's actually read it and then had to obviously just do it it seems like it's really just off the cuff
0: yeah yeah good shout again um obviously he tries to blag margaret he likes ballet as well Makes a complete tit of himself when he goes on about nijinsky and you know going to see one of his operas and it's just fucking unbelievable would not it really yeah. I say yeah, is. Just... I'm, I'm getting like downhill ballets, is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Yeah. She yeah. died in 1950. Did she? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's so cringeworthy as well. Well, what, what makes it even worse is the fact that, like, obviously, she, at first, like, um um Margaret's just like not having any of it, is she? Like, he's even got his hand on her knee and everything, and she's just like pushes him away and goes off. But then she comes back to say, let's go out for a drink. And it's like, so you coming back really just to be polite? Um or do you actually, you know, have a you know, does she have a thing for Dell secretly? Because she's not falling for any of his crap, is she, to start with?
0: No, I've got both bits that you just said there in my notes here. I mean, Dale gets a bit gropey with her, doesn't he? Once she says that they've got the, the bungalow, he, he does put a hand quite solidly on her knee and sort of stroking. It. It's almost a bit creepy, and obviously you wouldn't get away with that these days. She'd have him up for sexual assault probably quite rightly. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit. It's just dull, isn't it? But it's a bit. Ugh, when he does that,
1: yeah, yeah, it's very like you say a bit kind of lechy, isn't it? And like he's like probably like stroking her knee and her thigh and all that sort of stuff. And then she's kind of like moves her leg and that. But yeah, definitely out of order.
0: Yeah. I've also, the point you made. I mean, after he's made a complete twat of himself and sexually assaulted her, would she actually come back? <laughs> you know, I don't think she would. I mean, she seems like a fairly genuine, polite woman, but. I think normally most people would just walk away from Dale, wouldn't they? No offence to him.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I suppose it's just written in so she can come back and obviously catch them with the sort of hand in the cookie jar sort of thing and see that it was all like a, r- a ruse all along. Because imagine if they actually carried on the series um, with Rodney actually being the like <laughs> Penance Association person. That was like an ongoing thing. That could actually have been quite funny in its own right. But again, it doesn't last very long like most things for Rodney.
0: No, poor old Rodney. Dale stitches him up yet again. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, the coincidence that he became the the tenants thing anyway, just a bit, like we've just said, seems a bit far-fetched. But poor old Rodney gets stitched up. He's something he enjoys, something he can, you know, he likes all his politics and getting involved in that sort of stuff. And it lasts, what, about two days?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that. I did like this another bit. Um, It doesn't happen that often. I think it happened once in Series 1 so far, but Rodney actually properly takes the piss out of Dell, doesn't he, to his face, because he's like mocking him for obviously doing the whole Nijinsky thing and that, and, you know, doing, oh, you're used to like yeah, yeah, I love Nijinsky and all that stuff. And Dell's yeah. just like, don't you f- <laughs> bloody start with me, son. <laughs> but it's very rare that Rodney would actually obviously take the piss out of Del boy to that extent, but I think it is quite funny when it happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rodney's not, I wouldn't say he's the brightest button, but he's certainly got a bit more about him than Dell has. I mean, he's got two GCEs for a start.
1: Oh, yeah, and the old Basingstoke and Stoke Art College. So what more do you need?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And talking about Dell, like we just were then, being a bit lechy and a bit full-on, he doesn't waste much time, does he? He says to old uh, Margaret, we'll, we'll go down the nags Head for a couple of swift halves and then on to this like, club I know over at New Cross. And he moves in for a kiss straight away. He hasn't even really said yes. And he's already fucking moving in. Luckily, Rodney saves the day by opening the door.
1: Yeah, right. He's only known it, like you say, for two minutes. But again, yeah. it's classic Dell, isn't it? Like, he's going to take her down the pub for a few swift halves and then on to a club. So once again, he's going to be driving absolutely <laughs> fucking bad after drinking all bloody evening.
0: <laughs> Good old Dell. Yeah, I mean, how many of those cocktails has he had? Well, I suppose he's only poured himself one. But, you know, a couple of swift halves down the Nags Head with a, would lead to a, quite a few more. But it would have been quite interesting to see Margaret Down and Ag said if like Trigger and and all that have been in there it could have been quite interesting. So I wouldn't imagine she'd have fitted in too well.
1: No, no, definitely not. Definitely not the uh, the highlight. Is um, like she, she's quite kind of I don't know, say upper class, but she's quite well to do, isn't she? I'd imagine yeah. she's she's more like a kind of like Cassandra character like when we first meet Cassandra, isn't it? Like she's kind of a bit more not upmarket, but she's a bit more posh, especially when anyone's posh compared to Del and Rodney. Really, no offense <laughs> to them, but. <laughs>
0: Well, she's got a stable job for one, which is more than pretty much any of the other people in this whole... You think, how many people in only four, I suppose, triggers a road sweeper and boyce has got his car business? Although we've said before, I'm pretty sure Boyce is laundering money or being dodgy with that business.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then they have got all Denzel, he's like a delivery man, isn't he? Dri- uh, like lorry driver, truck driver.
0: Yeah, when well, he can get a job about once a month. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we, have, we haven't actually met Denzel yet, but he is one of the people we are going to meet fairly shortly, I believe.
1: Indeed. Um and I think that's pretty much all I've got to say about this particular episode. I don't know if you've got much else um on your notes there, JT.
0: No, that's pretty much it for me, Brad Roll. I mean, we've said some of the episodes so far have had a fairly abrupt ending where it just seems to be a bit rushed. This one, although, you know, it's just a one liner, we we'll are be still on for that drink, it does sort of close the episode fairly fairly well this time around, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does bring it all to a close with a little punchline and that and kind of leaves the episode on like a high note, doesn't it? Because it is quite a good mm-hmm. punchline the way it kind of builds up to it. Um, but yeah, I think it's overall a really good start to Series 3. And as you yeah. say, there are a couple of um like our personal favourites coming up in this series as well with um, a few key points and characters being introduced. So looking forward to uh, touching on them over the next couple of weeks.
0: Indeedy. Yeah, I think it's a good, solid episode to the series. Um, it's one of the ones that you know, I do do watch fairly often when it's on gold. It does seem to pop up quite often, and just quickly, um, if anyone remembers, um, in our Diamonds After Heather episode last time, which was a couple of weeks ago now, just before Christmas, um, and I said I'd never seen it on gold, but I'd look out for it. It was on quite a bit over the Christmas uh, period. Saw so it oh, two or three times in rotation, so it is definitely on the uh, the gold roster. It does appear on there, but obviously not very often.
1: Yeah, fair play. Um, So, obviously, thank you for coming back and joining us in the new year for a a look at Series 3. If you want to get in touch with us, or if you want to just keep up to date with what we're doing with both this podcast and our movie podcast, then you can find us at The Hyperbaric Ghost on Twitter. And, of course, uh, let us know what you think of not only our show in general, um, but the episodes of only Fools and Horses that we're talking about. Let us know if there's any kind of little background bits of information or any tidbits that you know or just any particular favourite scenes That you enjoy and also we did discover just after Christmas or over Christmas um, that they have just released a handful of specials on Blu-ray, the 80s specials um, which would be a nice little addition to anyone's collection out there and they are all the unedited um, full versions as far as I know, JT, is that right?
0: Um, They're about as unedited as you're going to be able to get them unless you've got the original broadcast episodes. I think they might still be slightly uh, edited um, but it's the best you're going to get these days. Um, so, yeah, it's all five specials from the 80s, and they're all fucking solid episodes, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are some of the best specials. And hopefully, it leads on to um, maybe the rest of this series or the whole show in general getting remastered and updated into Blu ray because it's long overdue for such a classic show. But for any collectors out there and only Fools and Horses fans, check that one out. It's available on Amazon, I think about 35 quid for those five episodes.
0: Yep, I think that's about right, bread roll, and it pains me to say I haven't actually got hold of them myself yet, but they are on my list for when I get paid next week.
1: (laughs) Well, there we go. Um, So, yeah, thanks for joining us, and we will catch you next week.
0: Indeedy. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. No, no, not goodbye, Margaret. Just bonjour. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices and a straw. God bless Hookie Street, Viva Hookie Street, Long live Hooky Street.